to a text. And where we find the text is we know that Joseph is in Egypt. He's been sold into slavery. You're here on Sunday night. You know the story of Joseph. He's been sold into slavery. Jacob, uh, uh, excuse me, Joseph has been uh, promoted in Potiphar's house, and then Potiphar's wife lies on him. And now he's in the prison house. He's in the prison house, and the baker and the butler begin to have dreams. And Jacob, or excuse me, Joseph, I'm going to preach on Jacob, but I got Joseph on my mind. I got to get, get you to Joseph first. Joseph interprets the dreams. And uh, long story short, ends up before Pharaoh because Pharaoh starts dreaming. Interprets Pharaoh's dreams and tells him there's going to be seven years of plenty in the land and then seven years of famine in the land. And so through a series of events, God allows Joseph to become second in command, the governor over the land of Egypt. But the famine did not end in Egypt, but the famine reached all the way back down in the Canaan. That's where Genesis 42 opens up. The famine has touched Canaan. The Bible teaches in Genesis chapter 42 that Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt. Jacob had heard that there was supply, there was provision in Egypt. Now you've got to remember, Jacob has been living his life under the assumption that Joseph is dead. And so he sends his boys to Egypt to buy corn. They get to Egypt and they're standing before Joseph. But they don't recognize that it's Joseph. He's got the Egyptian attire on. He looks different. But Joseph knows who they are. It's interesting. The Bible says that they bow before him. I wrote in my study Bible, dreams do come true. For in Genesis 37, he dreamed that his brethren would bow down before him. Dreams really do come true. So Joseph decides to, I believe, play a little cat and mouse with his brethren. He tells them and accuses them of being spies. He said, you are spies. You've come out to see the condition of the land. And they said, no, we're not spies. Uh, we're brethren. One is, one, one is at home and one is not. Well, the one that was not was really standing before them. And so Jacob, Joseph tells them, look, if you want to prove yourself to me, then you leave one of your brothers here. You go home and get your younger brother, and you come back to me and prove yourself. They did not bring their younger brother, Benjamin, who was the brother of Joseph from Jacob and Rachel's relationship, because Jacob loved Rachel. And she is already dead. And all he has to to hold on to his memory of her is Benjamin. He would not allow Benjamin to go. So through a series of events, and there's a lot of things I'm skipping over because I want to get to my thought and get out of the way. But through a series of events, he said, if you want to prove yourself, you go home, you get your brother Benjamin, and you come back, and I'll release Simeon. Well, along the way, he fills up their sacks with corn. They buy corn. But what they do not realize is that Joseph puts the money back into their sacks with the corn that they have purchased. They get going along the way, and they 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 get to the they get uh, to a place uh, to uh, to feed their their camp their camels, and all of a sudden they open up their sacks, and they realize that the money is in the sacks, and they think, great, now this guy's think that we had stolen from him. He's already accused of us being spies, and now he is going to think us think of us as thieves. I'm interested though. They get down uh, to verse number. Let's see here, verse number 29. Let's pick up there. And they came unto Jacob their father unto the land of Canaan and told him all that befell unto them, saying, The man who is lord of the land spake roughly to us and took us for spies of the country. 
And we said unto him, We are true men. We are no spies. We be twelve brethren, sons of our father. One is not. And the youngest is this day with our father in the land of Canaan. And the man, uh, the Lord of the country, said unto us, Hereby shall I know that ye are true men. Leave one of your brethren here with me, and take food for the famine of your households, and be gone. And bring your youngest brother uh, unto me. Then shall I know that ye are no spies, but that ye are true men. So I will deliver your brother, and ye shall traffic in the land." And it came to pass, as they emptied their sacks, that, behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when both they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were afraid. Now, here's my text. And Jacob their father said unto them, Me have ye bereaved of my children. Joseph is not, and Simeon is not. And will ye take Benjamin away? All these things are against me. Jacob's living has lived a tough life, partly because of his own decisions, partly because the decision of others. This little phrase jumped out to me the other day when I was reading reading this text, where Jacob says, "All these things are against me." Where were these things? Well, the famine was against him. The famine was against him. They're starving to death. They don't have food to feed their cattle and to feed their families. Simeon, his, one of his sons, is being held a prisoner. Joseph is dead in his mindset. They have now requested that Benjamin be taken down to Egypt. He has the potential of losing three sons now. And to add insult to injury, his sons are a bunch of thieves because they have these sacks full of corn in a famine and their money is in the sacks. And Benjamin, or excuse me, Jacob just steps back and he hears all these things. He's out there. Now all these things are against me. The word against here means in opposition, noting enmity or contrary. It means it's pushing against you. It means it's not working for you. It's just against me. That's what Jacob feels like. All these things are against me. That's what I want to preach on tonight. All these things are against me. That's what Jacob feels. You ever felt that way? I mean, you ever felt like every time you turn, it's just against you? Something's in opposition. Something's working against you. Something's working contrary against you. It's just fighting against you. I mean, the, the old line is you take two steps forwards and four steps back. And you can't get anywhere because all these things are against you. It might be family issues. It might be financial issues. Uh, it might be flesh issues. It might be your health. It might be your children. It might be your job. It might be things that nobody else knows about but you and God. Oh, but you lay in your bed at night and you say, I've got all these things coming against me. Maybe you can identify with how Jacob feels in this text. But did you know as we read this text, and as you and I look at this text, you know what we know about this little phrase? All these things are not against him. You know how we know that? Because we've read the end of the story. We know how this story ends. And Jacob feels like all these things are against him. Jacob feels like all these things are working against him. But in reality, Romans 8.28 is being worked providentially in the life of Jacob. For the Apostle Paul said in Romans 8.28, And we know that all things work together for good. Here's the, here's, here's the prepositions. For them that love God, to them who 
who are the called according to His purpose. Here's Jacob. He's got all these things coming. He's dealing with all these issues. And stepping back, he said, I tell you, all these things are against me. They're going to destroy me. But what Jacob doesn't realize is all those things that he felt like was against him, they were really not against him, but they were really working for him. You think about all the way through the Bible, biblical examples of people that exhibited this truth. Think about Noah and that storm. Here's Noah. I mean, he's trying to live for God. He's trying to do right. God tells him to build this boat and get the animals and get his family in. And here the biggest storm of his life comes in. And he thinks it's going to destroy him. But I'll tell you what that storm did. I'll tell you what that ark did. It got him above the water. It got him above the storm. And when it got on, on the other side... He landed on Mount Ararat, which means resurrection ground. Death all around him. And Noah may have felt like all them things were against him, but really they were for him. They were for him. Think about Elijah at the brook. Elijah goes, sticks his finger in Ahab's face, and said, it ain't going to rain till I say so. And then God tells him to go and sit by a brook. I don't know about you, but if there's going to be a drought, I'm not going to a brook. I'm going to find me a river. I'm going to find me a big supply of water. And Elijah may have felt like all those things were against him. But what was God doing? God was teaching Elijah that you can trust me every day for every meal, three times a day, bread and flesh in the morning, uh, tw- two times a day rather, bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening and he drank of the brook. He may have felt like that was against him but really it was for him. Think about Daniel in the den of lions. Here he is just trying to live for God and pray and he's arrested and thrown in that den of lions. He may have felt like it's all against him but you know what? God used that situation to, to propel Daniel in the kingdom of Babylon and give him a testimony that we are still talking about to this day. He may have felt like it was against him but really it was working for him. Those disciples that night on the stormy sea they think they're about to go down and all of a sudden they see Jesus walk on the water and they were afraid and it felt like the winds were contrary. They were against them. What they didn't realize is that storm is what brought Jesus to their boat. And you may feel tonight like things are against you and they're all coming against you. But things are not against you. They are working for you. The Apostle Paul, he said that thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, he said it was so I wouldn't be exalted above measure. John on the Isle of Patmos. He's been exiled and left alone. But he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. John said, it's Sunday. I'm going to church. And Jesus decided to go to church with him. And John turned around and he heard a voice. And he saw the Son of God. He felt like all those things were against him. But really, they were for him. In this text tonight, Jacob is bereaved. He is burdened. And he's blind. I don't mean he's physically blind. He just can't see what God's doing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Just can't figure it out. And you feel like all these things are just against me. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever had opposition? Things coming against you. You feel like it's all right here. And it's hindering me. And it's, I don't know what God's doing. But what you don't realize is that God is working those things for our good. All things are not good. That verse does not say all things are good. It says all things work together for good. You better, and you better watch the qualification in that verse. To them that love God. 
to them who are the called according to His purpose. That just saying anybody can claim it and name it and blab it and grab it and take that verse. It is for those who love God and are trying to live for God. And when you're here tonight and you're trying to live for God and you're trying to love the Lord and you're trying to do right, oh, but you feel like that opposition is just smack you in the face every time you turn around. But I want to encourage you, those things are not working against you, but it could be that they are working for you. Now, how do we know that these things were working for Jacob in our text? There's three things I want to say and I'm done. How do we know things were working for Jacob instead of against Jacob? I hope this makes sense. Number one, when you consider the master designer, who is orchestrating this entire fiasco? Joseph. Joseph. The one who thought he thought was dead. Joseph is the one that is behind the scenes setting all these things up. That Jacob, hey man, that Jacob feels like it's against him. But what he don't see is on the other side, in another land, there's a king, there's a governor, there's a ruler, and he's working things. And he's setting things up. And he's putting things here. And he's putting things there. And he's getting things lined up. And he's getting it all situated. And Jacob feels like all these things are against me. But what he don't realize is in the other world, oh, there's somebody working on his behalf. Watch this. Joseph was sovereignly in control. Who's running the show in this text? Joseph is. Joseph's the one that said you're spies. Joseph's the one that said bring Simeon. Joseph's the one that put the money back in their side. Joseph is the one that said bring Benjamin. Joseph is the one, amen, that's a helping me now. Joseph is the one that's telling to arrange all these things. But Jacob don't see that. Jacob feels like everything's against him. Oh, but if he could only see, there's somebody on the other side who is in control of the circumstance, who's in control of the situation. If you look at the master designer, you know it's not against you. It's for you. He's sovereignly in control, but Joseph sincerely cares. You read Genesis 42, 43, 44, and how many times Joseph's asked about their father. How's your father? How's his health? But Jacob feels like, man, all these things are against me. Somebody must hate me. Oh, somebody must really hate me. Oh, no, Jacob, somebody really loves you. And you may feel like what you're going through, God must hate me. Somebody must not like me. Oh, no, somebody really loves you. Somebody really cares about you. And God is working those things and orchestrating those things. Thank God He cares tonight. Preacher, are you saying God's behind my trouble? No, I'm saying God's above your trouble. Amen, that's right. Hey, I, I don't know if it's helping you, but it's stirring my heart. Joseph was sovereignly in control. Joseph sincerely cared. Joseph had supreme comprehension. In other words, he didn't have to ask his brothers about their background. He knew. He knew. He knew daddy's got a bad limp. He knew, he knew daddy's had some hard times. That's why he kept asking about him. He knew. But Jacob thinks, man, this guy in Egypt, he, he don't understand what I've gone through. Help me, help me. He don't understand what I've been through. I buried a wife. 
I've lost a son. Now I've lost, now I've had the potential of losing two more sons. Nobody understands, but Joseph knew. The one behind the scenes, he knew. Are y'all getting this? He knew. He knew. Joseph had strategy that was competent. Here's what I mean by that. He had a plan and he knew how he wanted that plan to work. Now, I'm not a Calvinist tonight. I'm a Christian. You can't be both. That's what Billy Mitchell said. But I do believe in the sovereignty of God. Now, I'll bust some bubbles here. The word sovereignty is not in your Bible. It's not. I'm going to use it because it just means someone who's in control. But God, God is sovereign. God's in control. God don't make anybody get saved and God don't make anybody stay lost. People make their own decisions. But i tell you what God will do. God will line things up. And God will give man every opportunity he wants to get saved. He's setting things up. He's got a plan. Do you see? You, oh, man, read the book of Ruth. You see that plan? Elimelech and Naomi get out of the will of God and go to Moab. Oh, that wasn't the will of God. But here's what God did. God made a way back. And God, God had a way for Orpha to get back if she wanted to, but she rejected it. But old Ruth believed God. All these things are against me, preacher. Well, look at the master designer. But then secondly, look at the merciful display. Here's what I mean. Verse 25, he commanded them. First of all, there was in this text, there are provided uh, pr- provision received. Then Joseph commanded to fill their sacks with corn. Corn in your Bible is always a picture of the blessings of God. In fact, when the pilgrims landed here in, uh, uh, on, off the Mayflower and they landed in this new world, you read, that, you read those journals, they were encouraged when they found corn. They felt like God had blessed their venture when they found that corn. Corn's always a picture of God's blessing. In fact, the prayer is that God would, would bless him with, with full of years and plenty of corn. It's a picture of blessing. Here's Jacob. It was, now, let me, let me give you these. Get where I, sometimes my outline gets in the way of where I want to preach. Plenteous resources. He said, fill their sacks with corn. That word fill indicates he didn't have just a little. He had enough. And the price was returned. He put the money back in the sacks. Okay. Outline there. Now let me really preach. Here's Jacob. He's sitting there. This this will do for a bowl. He's sitting there eating corn. All these things are against me. But he's sitting there eating corn that was put in them sacks by the one who was working all this out for his good. But he feels like it's all against him. Hand me that butter. Hand me some salt and put on this corn. Hey, man, you got to eat uh, butter and salt with corn. Somebody help me. I mean, he's over eating corn. And he just, man, all these things are against me. Pass the cornbread. Hey, man, I mean, you got corn, got to have cornbread. Somebody help me. I mean, he's just, he's just eating all those blessings while he feels like everything's against him. All right, let's bring it down. We complain about how bad we got it on the cell phones God pays for. 
We complain about how bad we got it riding in the vehicles God's given us. With the gas He's put in the gas tank. With the food He's put in our belly. With the home we complain under the roof that God's given us how bad we've got it. But we don't see that all these things are not against us, but they're working for us. Master designer. Merciful display. The main desire. Why was Joseph doing all these things. Three reasons. One, for a closer relationship. Now don't miss this now. Why is Joseph playing cat and mouse with his brothers? Why is he trying to get Benjamin to Egypt? Because if he knows if he gets Benjamin to Egypt, he's going to get Jacob to Egypt. <laughs> Here it is. Stay, let me preach it. I know you're getting ahead of me. Let me preach it. Jacob, all these things are against me. Boy, he don't realize all those things he thought was against him was what Jacob was using to get him closer to the sun. And you may feel like those things that are against you might be the very things that God's using to get you closer to the sun. There have been some distance in their relationship. But Jacob, Joseph is using these things that Jacob felt like was against him to get him closer. Closer relationship. A comprehensive recognition. Here's what I mean. Joseph wanted them to realize that he was the one that had been taking care of them that whole time. And a continual residence. He wanted Jacob in Egypt near him. You read, you read Genesis 45, 9, and 10. I want you to dwell in the land of Goshen. He wants them there. Why? Because he wants to be good to them. Now, you got anything against you tonight? Surely somebody does. If we thought long enough, we've all got things. Things. All these. Isn't that what he said? Did he say things? All these things are against me. Things. Things. Anybody have any things? Paul, you know, he talked about things. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, nakedness, peril, sword. As is written for thy sake, we're killed all the day long. We're counted sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded... Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You look back at the things in your life. Now, I ain't going to pick on Jacob too bad because in the moment I'd probably say the same thing Jacob did. But I can preach this sermon tonight and say, Jacob, man, if you could only see. But see, I've read the end of the story. And I know how it ends. And I know, Jacob, oh, if you could just wait a little while. If you just believe, Jacob. If you just be patient, Jacob. Just don't get ahead, Jacob. Don't, don't rush your conclusion. Just hang in there, Jacob. Something really good fixing to happen. Well, I've 
read the end of the story. We are more than conquerors in all these things through Him that loved us. You feel like some things are against you tonight? Some of you are battling with your help. You can't go like you used to. can't do like you used to. These things are against me. Oh, but it might be God will get you to a place where you can't go and do, but you can pray. That's easy for me to say because I'm going to run the roads this week. But you know, there's going to come a day when I can't physically. But there won't ever be a day when I can't pray. Amen. Preach all these things, all these things, family, children, finance, all these things are against me. No, they're not against you. And we know that all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. I hope God will encourage your heart tonight about these things. Let's stand together. I preached 25 minutes. I appreciate your attention.